Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. Morning by morning new mercies I see. And here we are in another fresh morning and a new morning each day this week when we have these meetings. We just pray now, Lord, that as we have this meeting that we will learn something new morning by morning. Amen. The topic today is the church as bride. And I'm going to do the reading from Ephesians chapter 5, but I'm using J.B. Phillips. So it's Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 25. But remember, this means that the husband must give his wife the same sort of love that Christ gave to the church when he sacrificed himself for her. Christ gave himself to make her holy, having cleansed her, thought, cleansed her through the baptism of his word, to make her an altogether glorious church in his eyes. She is to be free from spots, wrinkles, or any other disfigurement, a church holy and perfect. Men ought to give their wives the love they naturally have for their own bodies. The love a man gives his wife is the extending of his love for himself to enfold her. Nobody ever hates or neglects his own body. He feeds it and looks after it. And that is what Christ does for his body, the church. And we are all members of that body. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the twain shall become one flesh. And now the key verse. The marriage relationship is doubtless a great mystery, but I am speaking of something deeper still, the marriage of Christ and his church. The marriage relationship is doubtless a great mystery, but I am speaking of something deeper still, the marriage of Christ and his church. Some of us are fortunate enough to have traveled to the Holy Land our morning of departure was Pentecost Sunday, and we left our hotel just before dawn. In Jerusalem, the streets were packed with people all heading in the same direction, the Western Wall. How were they dressed? The women wore long white dresses. Why? The Feast of Shavuot, better known as Pentecost, is one of the most amazing events of the Hebrew calendar. Shavuot marks the end of the spring feasts in biblical times. Shavuot also marked the beginning of the new agricultural season. It was called the Harvest Holiday. It is also known by the name the Feast of Weeks. According to Jewish tradition, it was during Shavuot when the God of Israel betrothed his people at Mount Sinai. Marriage vows were given when the people spoke as one saying, all the Lord has spoken, we will do. Exodus 19, verse 8. And the marriage contract was written down in the form of the Ten Commandments and the Torah. In the New Testament, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples also occurred at Shavuot, Acts chapter 2. This festival, therefore, celebrates true biblical worship. Indeed, God gave both his, the truth of his word, the Torah, and his spirit on Shavuot. 
thus enabling his people to worship in spirit and truth. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. John 4.24 The Feast of Shavuot, along with the rest of God's feasts, are called an appointed time. It is a special time that God told the Jews to remember and celebrate every year, kind of like a wedding anniversary. Therefore, you can be sure that when God's people come together for this special celebration, the God of Israel will show up in a powerful way. He scheduled these appointments with us in his word, and he never misses them. One interesting thing that God told his people to do is count 50 days from the first fruits offering given at the time of Passover. This is called the counting of the Omer. Then they are to bring two loaves of bread to be waved as an offering to the Lord. Leviticus 23 verse 17. These two loaves of bread represent the Ten Commandments that were written down on two stone tablets. They also symbolize the two testaments, old and new, coming together as one. They are to be waved in every direction before the Lord as a public declaration of God's provision. Since Shavuot traditionally represents the wedding ceremony between God and Israel, many couples use this time to renew their marriage vows and recommit their hearts to both one another and their king. Often in the Bible, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Revelation 19 verse 7. In the Gospels, we often see Jesus use the Jewish wedding as the topic for many of his parables. Many of us can miss the fullness of these parables by not being familiar with the model of the ancient Jewish wedding ceremony. The first step was the contract in the Ten Commandments and the Torah. And then we have the marriage covenant. The bridegroom would negotiate the price to purchase the bride. 1 Corinthians 6.20, you were bought at a price. Christ paid for the bride with his blood. Once the marriage covenant was established, the bride was declared to be consecrated or sanctified, set apart exclusively for her bridegroom. The church has been declared to be sanctified or set apart exclusively for Christ. In this morning's reading, just as Christ loved the church, and gave himself for her. As a symbol of the covenant relationship that had been established, the groom and bride drank from a cup of wine over which the betrothal had been pronounced, as Christ did at the Last Supper. When we take communion, we not only remember the Lord's death, we remember his new covenant with us. After the marriage covenant was established, the groom left his bride at her home and returned to his father's house. During this period of separation, the groom prepared a dwelling place in his father's house to which he would later bring his bride. The church has now been living in that period of separation for 2,000 years. The groom's father alone would decide when the house was ready to receive the bride, and only then would the Jewish bridegroom go and collect his bride. 
the sound of a trumpet would break the silence of the night and there would be a great shout to alert the bride. Although the bride was expecting the groom to come for her, she did not know what day or at what hour he would arrive. After the groom had collected his bride, they returned to the groom's father's house where the wedding guests had assembled. The bride, groom and all the wedding guests would remain in the father's house for the next seven days, celebrating with a great feast. There is a period of time the Bible talks about that has not yet happened. This is a time of great judgment on this world. God's wrath will come to those who are disobedient and unbelieving. The Bible calls this period the tribulation or the day of Jacob's troubles. Jesus will not allow his bride to come under such a judgment. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 His bride, the church, will be taken to safety. Just as the bridegroom comes for his bride before the Jewish wedding, leaving behind anyone who has not accepted God's invitation, the gift of salvation. One day soon, the trumpet will sound. His bride will hear his voice, come up here. How are they dressed in Jerusalem? The women wore long white dresses. Why? They are dressed ready as the bride. What is the engagement contract? The Ten Commandments. What is the dowry price? Jesus on the cross. When is the wedding? When Jesus returns for us. Let us pray. May we be ready, clothed in robes of righteousness, when the trumpet sounds and Christ returns for his bride. Help us to understand that we the church are the bride of Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm.